you know, Frosty the Snowman, it's truly the most quintessential Christmas song. It introduces a beloved figure who invites the children to come to him, gets into an altercation with state authorities. Right, the hollering stop. And then he dies, but promises to be back again one day. Frosty is a Christ figure. Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Catherine. And we're I'll Be Pod for Castmas, a seasonal podcast where we overanalyze Christmas pop songs and movies and put them into conversation with some unlikely pieces of literature. Don't be a Grinch! Join us on I'll Be Pod for Castmas on the Moonshot Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I'm Andrew. I'm Martin. And this is Mediargnalysis, the show that we promise is going to have a better title every time we do it. This week, Marn made me watch Tron Legacy. <laughs> okay, hold on. I didn't make you watch Tron Legacy. We talked about when we did the Tron Legacy arg, we were like, let's revisit Tron Legacy and see how it holds up. And then this week I was like... I, I don't feel like talking about an arg. Why don't we just watch Tron Legacy like we said we were going to do? As the person that edited that episode, a couple times you say, I bet we should rewatch Tron Legacy someday. And I go, hmm. <laughs> and then afterwards you said, Andrew agreed to watch Tron Legacy with me. And I thought, I don't think I did that. But now I it's feel, out in the world. I feel that by the end we had made peace with the idea of coming around, of perhaps coming around on Tron Legacy, and then we actually watched it. Yeah, Martin. Now that we did that, what'd you think? Oh, Secretly good movie, a lost gem hidden to time, right? You know how people say that like a film has a lot of movie per movie. Mm-hmm. This had not enough movie per movie. <laughs> uh, folks, if you're not aware, we are talking about uh, 2010's Tron Legacy, a sequel to the original Tron. But it's a sequel in the same way that all legacy movies are sequels mm -hmm. nowadays, where the, what they mean is that we have a movie property from 20 years ago that we want to use, but everyone involved is fucking old. And so we have to come up with some reason that 20 years have passed within this universe and make the same movie again, except the original characters are there in the background, except they're old now. Yeah. Is this the first movie that followed that? I was that just about to say that. I don't know, but it feels like it was part of that like very early wave. Because I know that this like this this eventually gets us to like the Star Wars prequels. It gets us to uh, Scravim, the fifth one. It gets mm -hmm. us to all of these like legacy films where they're like, "Hey, we've got shit." Is it? Are they? Do they call that after Tron Legacy? Um, I'm just now putting this together in my head. But like legacy films where it's like, "Yeah, we want to trap into this rich culture we had." Probably the first one was uh, Indiana Jones 4, and then they re-redid it with 5 recently. Yeah, I think you're right. But uh, yeah, I think this was like part of that very early wave of like they were starting to do those. Yeah, 
the uh, the de aging tech in this movie uh, <laughs> looks bad. It's really bad. Uh, this movie has two Jeff Bridges. One is Jeff Bridges' actual age. The other one is Jeff Bridges looking like a Ken doll. Um, just a plastic Jeff Bridges named it's Clue. A, it's especially bad in like the action sequences during like during the end of the movie. Like you can really see the strain on the CGI. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a, a scene in the movie where Clue that character is giving a big speech. And I turned to Sam and I was like, have you noticed that they've only shown this speech from him talking from behind or from a distance? <laughs> yeah, they film a lot of him from behind or with a helmet on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what possessed Disney to say, you know, what needs a sequel is Tron. It is like, yeah, of all the of all their live action movies they could have picked, it is kind of a weird one. I guess I guess it's like of the era when like that kind of sci-fi was getting really big. And like, I don't know, maybe they were like, oh, we need to do something with like a science fiction property. Let's just like do another Tron, I guess. Yeah, like but Tron. No, man. I'm sure I'm saying this into our very niche podcast and we're going to release it to the world. I feel like uh, we are aiming at an audience that could be into Tron. Yeah. Just knowing our core audience. But like, I really feel like there's not a huge, who gives a shit about Tron? I, you know, I'll say it. I'll just come out and say it. Who gives a shit? Um, to a point that it's a little weird that they were just like, this is our, this is our franchise that we're bringing, bringing back. Tron exists and matters as like, a a tech demo more than it does as a like actual movie right tron exists and matters as a kingdom hearts level it matters as a kingdom hearts level it matters as um this is a really mean comparison but like it is to cgi what birth of a nation is to the idea of the blockbuster oh my god like and, and i know that like that movie has a lot of baggage to it that Tron yeah. Legacy doesn't. I'm not saying it like that, but it is like the first movie that used CGI in this big way that eventually went on to become like a major mainstay of studio and like the way that movies are made nowadays are mm-hmm. directly tied back to the original Tron. But nobody's watching Tron going, boy, what a great movie. Yeah, and I I think that you could see that a little bit in Legacy too, where like it does have sequences that are like visually gorgeous, but it's just like I don't know, I, it's kind of a nothing movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, the like the the see like the costuming in this movie is really cool. Yeah. Um, the like standing around is really cool. There are bits of CGI of like. The effect of when people get injured and like shatter into glass, that looks sick as hell. Yeah. That's about as much as I can give this movie on like its its production level. It's kind of like watching a baby sensory video. <laughs> <laughs> Complete with the plastic face and everything. Uh-huh. Oh boy. Um <laughs> Yeah. It, all of the First of all, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna say it. My boy doesn't know capoeira. <laughs> yeah. Again, I said this when we did the ARG episode. I think that there one of the flaws here was they made Sam way too cool in the ARG. 
I, I <laughs> they truly. couldn't like they couldn't cash that check in the movie. <laughs> Honestly, though, tell me, tell, hey, hey, Martin, uh huh, tell me one thing about Sam from the movie or from the arg. From the movie, tell me one thing about him. Uh, he lives in a garage. <laughs> yeah, tell me, tell me, yeah, just like, tell me something about him. What's he like? He Hey, Martin, you not- want to set me up with your friend Sam? <laughs> tell me about him. Uh, he likes dogs. He hates corporations. He is well, apparently... <laughs> I got a pin for that. <laughs> he is apparently a gifted, uh... Parkour expert question mark. <laughs> <laughs> he can do generic action scenes, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. What's his personality like? Does he have any notable traits, features, or wants? It's hard to say. <laughs> it's truly hard to say. It's amazing that in this movie nobody's more robotic than the main character. It yeah, and it's fucking wild because like the arc does like way more character work with him, and like having covered the arc, I like went in being like, "Yeah, I know Sam, like the guy who parachuted into like the press conference and like helped the players, and like he did <laughs> capoeira and like went off the grid because he couldn't deal with like his dad disappearing." And they just like they were just like, "Well, he's just some guy <laughs> in the movie." Yeah, just just a guy. He likes motorcycles, which is which is great because uh, boy, he's gonna need that skill in the world's slowest motor motorcycle chase. In in Garrett Headland's defense, I did feel like he was kind of doing the best with what they gave him to do. They yeah, they gave him absolutely nothing to do in this movie. I I, I also I turned to Sam at one point and I said uh, Olivia Wilde in this movie is acting her ass off. She just has nothing to work with. Yeah, her yeah, Garrett Headland and Olivia Wilde are like treating this film very seriously. They just like don't have any character traits to work with i yeah i (laughs) yeah this movie Uh, has some of the line reads of all time (laughs) (laughs) uh i did really like when uh at one point jeff bridges turns and says bio digital jazz man (laughs) i like the the flashback where clue is like I was supposed to, like, make this the perfect system, and then it, like, does the spin and zoom, and it just, Jeffrey just goes, just goes, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I've, like, seen a clip of that recently on Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, yeah, this movie uh, was terrible. I, I... <laughs> I I feel like I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh boy, 10 minutes in, I've said everything I have to say about this movie. I guess we could talk about the plot. Yeah, halfway through, Alyssa like turned to me and was like, this like this has the aesthetic that like it should be an action movie, but like half the scenes are just like people sitting around talking. I think she described it as like if you were watching a Transformers movie, but, like, every five minutes Optimus Prime just, like, sat down and had a conversation with someone and there were, like, no fight scenes. <laughs> I And, and to, to build off of that, the conversations that they have aren't even that interesting. Yeah. Be like if, if Optimus Prime sits down with Sam Witwicky and is just like, so how's your mother? 
Yeah, exactly. Hmm, interesting. You know, I built a truck once. It was neat. And also, like, the antagonists are doing this too. Like, there's no... No one is, like, moving the plot forward at so many crucial points of this movie. It... Yeah, it, it... Like, I just watched this movie and I couldn't really tell you what the plot is. The plot is that Sam gets beamed into Tron world where he fights in the arena for a little bit before they notice that it's him. And then he gets kidnapped by Clue, who's like, hey, you're Sam. You're going back in the arena. Yeah. And then he gets rescued from the arena and brought outside of the city. And then he meets his dad and they talk for a little bit, but not really. And then he goes back into the city and then they lose a disc and Clue is like, I can use this to raise an army to bring a bunch of robot people programs to the real world question mark. Yeah. And then they stop him. Hey, I have a I have a quiz question for you. Oh boy. Uh why does Sam's dad decide to like go with his plan and send Sam back to the real world? I don't know. Uh that's a trick question. He there is no stated reason. He like they get to the bottom of the elevator like they're running away from the fight and there's like a weird conversation where he like blows up at Sam and then immediately afterwards like nobody even says anything else to him. He's like, wait a minute, you're right. Let's just make a a sprint for the gate and I'll get you out of here. (laughs) Yeah, there's a a lot of this movie this this movie feels like it was it's it's doing the thing that a lot of uh, good movies do, where characters talk about things from their point of view, and it doesn't do a lot of like, well, as you know, we live in the grid, where mm-hmm. computer programs are like people, right? Yeah. There, there's none of that. But they don't fill that space with actual good, interesting dialogue. They just leave it with like, we gotta save the grid. And you kind of have to intuit that like, yeah, people, programs live in the grid. And then we have to get to do the thing because that'll stop Clue from being the bad. But there's no like, they never explain anything. They never, even like what they want, how they feel, what they're doing. Like there's never any introduction to any of these characters there's no introduction to the world itself we're supposed to like go in through sam as an everyman but a he's not one and b he only cares about the fact that his dad is there and his dad doesn't even really care about the fact that sam came to rescue him yeah he is like uninterested and it's like i'm not gonna get involved like i'm a pacifist now whatever and then literally in the middle of a conversation like 180s and is like wait never mind you're right you like without anyone saying anything to convince him of this yeah it's it's it like i don't know it has the it's, it feels weird to say that it is the script feels like a better script but it doesn't yeah. say anything does that make sense no yeah like it it feels like there was something more to it that like got erased yeah yeah maybe there was a bunch of hacky dialogue that was just like the grid what is this science (laughs) class and then they were just like cut that but then they never replaced it with like actual explanation screens or scenes so it's just like i don't know man (laughs) yeah it's it's weird 
also don't dm me and say hey you just didn't get it i watched the movie i heard all the dialogue (laughs) it's not there yeah this movie is way better if you just pretend that it's a two hour long daft punk music video (laughs) okay i'm gonna give you the hottest take Uh uh-huh the music's not even good I like it. I think it's good. I, I mean, I listen to the, the soundtrack recreationally. I like divorced from the movie. I enjoy it. <laughs> I don't know how, because it's just like doing the bare minimum synths just to be like, yep. Do, 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 do. We're walking through a city. Do, 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 do. I Man, I don't know. I was I was expecting this to be a way cooler sounding movie. And I was like, oh, there's two cool tracks in this whole thing. I mean, yeah, I think it's not, like, all incredibly good, but, like, it ha- it definitely has some standouts in there. Did you know that there was a animated Tron TV show and Elijah Wood voiced the main character? No, no what? Yeah, I, I, I looked this up because I, like, half remembered there being a Tron TV show that was, like, maybe a sequel to Tron Legacy. So it was actually an interquel. Um... It like it takes place between Tron and Tron Legacy, um, and it's called Tron Uprising, and it was on Disney XD uh, <laughs> between 2012 and 2013, and it is about Tron like hanging out with a bunch of like revolutionaries in the grid. <laughs> And, uh, the main character is voiced by Elijah- The main characters, sorry, are voiced by Elijah Wood and Mandy Moore. Is Mandy Moore, uh, the person that did Tangled? Yes, yeah, she was- Was she just like, I gotta get into these animated TV show? I guess, I mean, she also did, like, the Rapunzel TV show, Mm -hmm. like, the Rapunzel cartoon. Like, the, the cast for this show is fucking insane. Wild. Aaron Paul was in it? They brought back, uh, they brought back Olivia Wilde as Cora. Huh. Yeah. Was it any good? Is it better than, actually, no, I can't ask this question because you're going to make me I've watch not, it and I'll have to I record a podcast I've, I've about it. I don't know, I've not seen it. I know it was, it was like one of the weird, like, 2013's Disney XD shows that they ran for, like, a single season and then canceled really abruptly, which was, like, pretty much every show that they ran in 2013. <laughs> So I couldn't tell you if it was good or not. That's just kind of the nature of animated TV shows today, right? Like, you get a season or two and then get canceled abruptly? I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was on at the same time as Motor City, which explains why I don't know anything about it. I was very into Motor City. (laughs) They shouldn't have canceled that show. I don't (sighs) care about the Toronto show. They shouldn't have canceled Motor City. (laughs) (laughs) I rewatched it recently and it holds up. Hell yeah. Uh... Should we get into breaking down the plot of this movie? Yeah, I mean, we kind of did, right? Like, he goes into the grid, he gets into a fight, he gets kidnapped, gets into a fight again. It's just like, I wish this movie was 70% more fights. Like, I, they need to take out so many of the scenes that it's just like two guys standing somewhere talking and put more fights in it. (laughs) I yeah I'm fine if they have more scenes like the same level of scenes of two guys talking, but just make what they're talking about worthwhile or interesting. Yeah, that too. Make make Sam and his dad talk about his mom. Make, yeah, they never do that. Make them exp- like make 
make Flynn tell Sam who Cora is and why he cares about her. He's got this like live-in program that lives at his house. Uh, first, do you know? Uh, I'm gonna pull you over side to the sidebar. Do you know what an uh-huh. ISO is? No. Okay, it's just like a program person that just showed up one day, right? Yeah. Okay. They're they're just like people, I guess. I don't know. They're they're like I guess kind of supposed to be like AIs. It's unclear. Yeah. So there's like there's programs who are people, but not people. They're just programs. And then there's users who are people. And then there's ISOs who are programs that are people. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, Flynn's just got Olivia Wilde hanging out in his house. Doesn't explain who she is, why he cares about her beyond just she's the last ISO. But like, tell me about who she is as a person. I get a line that she likes reading books. She never references any book at any point in the movie beyond that scene. But like, tell me about who she is. I, yes. Okay. I have, I have such things to say about this because the way that they establish her character at first in this movie is so contradictory to like the way that they then establish her. Like once you find out that she is a woman. Yeah. Go off. No, like, because they set her up and she's, like, a mysterious, like, helmeted figure, like, perched on a rooftop. And then she comes and she rescues uh, Sam from the light cycle arena and is, like, driving this, like, fucking, like, huge, like, tumbler vehicle, like, the fucking Christopher Nolan Batmobile. Um, and then, like... As soon as she, like, takes her helmet off and, and you're like, oh, uh, it's Olivia Wilde. Like, she is, like, the female love interest of this movie because, like, that's how the movie was sold to us. Like, she... They start leaning really hard into, like, oh, haha, like, she's just, like, a program and she doesn't know anything. And, like, Flynn taught her how to, like, read books and is, like, teaching her ha- about, like human novelists and stuff and she like doesn't understand that like Jules Verne is dead and she's like very naive and it's like so weirdly contradictory to like this competent badass that they already set her up as yeah it it she is the epitome of the like born sexy yesterday trope yes except uh-huh. except it's weird because we don't see her get born we see her as existing as a person she gets born when she takes off the helmet and she's like great losing 30 iq points here we go mm-hmm. it's so weird it's like they they want to set her up to be like a male action hero type and then they're like no just kidding she's just like here to, here to be a sexy love interest actually yeah well, and it's I'm I'm glad they don't like they don't actually kiss in the movie. It looks like they're going to yeah. like six different times and they don't. And I'm glad because they're kind of brother and sister. Yeah. It does establish that Flynn is kind of like her mentor slash father figure, so they are theoretically step siblings. <laughs> if you think about it in like a found family context. <laughs> Um, I, I do, there's a part of me, I have a lot of questions about this, this movie of just like, what the hell is the grid? What does it mean to be a program? What does it mean that Flynn created it and can kind of control it? Like, what does any of this mean? There's a big part of me that wonders, like, is it just because I haven't seen Tron, the original? Yeah, I feel like perhaps. 
But I, I feel like if you're making a sequel to a movie 20 years later, it's kind of on you to explain your setting. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think if you're making a thing that, like, kids are gonna go to with their parents who have seen the movie and, like, the the kids haven't seen it, like, you want to be making a movie that, like, the kids aren't gonna be asking the parents questions the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I think it also suffers from, like, a, uh the Digimon problem, which is where when the first one was made, calling things Digi something was like cool and fresh and exciting. Uh-huh. And nowadays I like at some point, uh, Sam explains that Wi-Fi exists to his dad. Oh yeah. Like nowadays it's just like, yeah, I, I know files. I understand how computers work. So when I think of this and I go, what does any of this mean? I think it it's a little more, I have a more concrete understanding of computers than I think that like you could just hand wave and say, Oh look, it's a security system. It fights the bad programs with laser discs. Yeah. And nowadays I'm just like, so are you like a zip drive? Like what are we, what's the metaphor here? What is, what kind of computer are we? Hey, is Tron an isekai? (sighs) Marn. I posed this question to, to Alyssa, my wife who, uh, reads isekai uh, and we decided that the answer was yes but I want to know what your answer is <laughs> my answer okay here's the deal my answer is no uh, because a big driving factor of isekai is that the character learns about the world around them as they go <laughs> okay that's fair <laughs> and in this movie he arrives in another world and is just like I'm chill oh I guess I fight with this disc on my back I can do that. Okay. <laughs> no one explains anything to Sam and he does not care. And he's fine with it. He's chill. <sighs> oh. Can we also talk about the fact that um in the in the arcade office, uh the the like sends you to Tron Gun is pointed directly at the work <laughs> desk. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I the the thing. I I love that it's just I. It's so funny that uh that Sam goes to the desk, types in like, oh neat, there's a program for laser, yeah. like aim the laser, and he types in like, aim laser dash execute in like PowerShell, and he hears like a booting up noise behind him, and he's like, this is all cool. that the like laser that sends you to Tron is pointed directly at the computer desk. It's weird that this has the same plot as Kingdom Hearts 2 when uh when Sora gets sent into the clue or the into the Tron world. Oh yeah, it it's sure ex- does. It's the exact same Sora and then you know what happens? Do you know what happens in Kingdom Hearts? <laughs> Sora goes to the Tron world and then he says, Wow, where am I? Who are you? What's going on? The basic questions of establishing a world. I really want to watch, like, the cutscenes of the Tron Legacy part of Dream Drop Distance, because I did not get that far uh, when I played Dream Drop Distance, but one of the first things I said upon finishing this movie was, I bet this would be awesome in Kingdom Hearts. (laughs) (laughs) I bet this would be, like, 70% better if Riku was here. it It is weird that, like, my current rating scale for Tron Media is at the bottom Tron Legacy, question mark, the Tron cartoon. Above that, 
the Kingdom Hearts segment of King or, uh, of Tron. Um, and then above that's probably original Tron. I bet that's charming on a rewatch. Yeah. This movie wasn't charming. <laughs> do you want to know how I would fix this movie? Absolutely, I do. <laughs> uh, get rid of Sam. It's done. <laughs> just, just get movie rid of already. him. <laughs> get rid of him. Fire Garrett Headland. He's out. Uh, make, Sorry we put, made you learn Capoeira. If it's any yeah. consolation, we weren't going to make you use it. Yeah, just, just fire his ass. Sorry, Garrett. Uh, put Kevin Flynn's business partner into Tron. Yeah. Have him actually answer the page to go to the arcade instead of talking to Sam and being like, whoa, I got a mysterious message from your dad's arcade. Have him just go and then get sucked into Tron and then he has to deal with it. Kid, I loved your dad to the point that I took care of you after his untimely disappearance and I was his business partner for decades before he disappeared. I've been the one person in this company holding and standing for the good fight and doing what he wanted to do with the new iOS. I want to put a pin in what the hell Encom does. Um... Yeah, but I've been fighting the good fight from the outside, even or from the inside, as long as I've as long as I've been able to. Um, anyways, I got a text. You should go look into it. <laughs> and also, then you get into like interesting stuff where like Clue is based on Flynn, and then Tron is based on his business partner. Like they are also the same actor. Yes. He wasn't, apparently he wasn't even going to be in the movie until um, when they said that he wasn't going to be in the movie. I'm quoting IMDb here. Uh, Tron fans wrote in angrily and said that they wanted him to be in the film. Holy shit. I bet they did. Both of them were like, we need this guy. (laughs) And they were right. Anyway, that's how I would fix Tron Legacy. Disney, call me. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to jokingly agree with you that like, yeah, what this movie needed was two 70-year-old men running around. But also, yeah, that would have been a better movie. Kinda. It is kind of what they need, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. I Sam doesn't do anything. I think that we needed, uh, yeah, someone else going in and being, because you know what? He cares about him. Yeah, I was going to say, literally, I bet you anything they would have had more on-screen chemistry than Jeff Bridges and Garrett Hedlund. They would have had more chemistry. They probably would have had a conversation or two about anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at one point, Flynn asks, so how's the world? And Sam's answer is, um, climate's getting warmer. What does he say? He says, climate's getting warmer, war in the Middle East, the rich get richer, and the poor get poorer. Uh, also, something to do with sports. I don't remember exactly what he said. And I was oh, like, something about the Lakers, yeah. I was just like, what a weird shoehorned in like thing to put here. Like, how is the world? You could say literally anything about yourself, anything about your life, anything about anything that's happening. But the problem is that Sam doesn't have a character beyond Flynn's son who wants him out of the robot. And he lives in a he lives in a garage that overlooks Encom Tower so that he can do heists every year to pull pranks on their board of directors. Yeah. He has a dog. That's his one character trait. It's yeah, it's like especially weird because they established like right at the beginning that like his his mom died and they don't ever talk about that again. I no. guess. Mm-mm. No, raised by his grandparents who just I guess exists so that 20 years later you don't have to worry about them being around. Yeah. 
and and it's, you can and like and you can to be clear you can you could do something with this this like a character this guy has nothing he's had an arrested development because he like is a bruce wayne type figure whose parents died and all he has is his inheritance in the form of this big company who he doesn't necessarily agree with the ethics of as it moves forward but he still is like fueled by them i do want to point out he says the rich get richer as if he's not a trust fund kid yeah who who at the end of the movie is like i hate this company i'm going to be its ceo yeah but like you could do something with this character they just don't you could you, you could take him in a direction of like he's still kind of a kid at heart like his dad who was interested in video games and all this stuff and what like he plays a prank on this company every year apparently like he's a bit of a goofball and a prankster but he's not in the movie he's nothing yeah and and again like i i i feel like the ARG weirdly made him more interesting because they were like, yeah, he's like off the grid and like doesn't use the internet and like won't talk to any of us who are like invested in trying to prove that like his dad didn't actually like disappear. And then like, you don't get to see any of that in the movie. Yeah, none of that is true. <laughs> he's not off the grid. He lives on, he lives in a building. Yeah. He lives in a building is not a smart thing to say about a character, but you know what I mean? He, he like lives, yeah, yeah, yeah. he lives in a big city. Like, yes, he lives in the city. He's not off the grid. You do get to see him parachute though. <laughs> you sure do. <laughs> I, I do want to shout out the bravest security guard in the world. Uh, yeah. Because in the beginning of this movie, he, so he breaks into, to not Enron and he, on the on the eve of the launch of their new iOS system, he releases it to the world for free. So he just uploads it to the internet himself, which is I, I'm really curious how wh- what he did that to just to LimeWire. Like I, I'm curious what website he did that to, but also like, <laughs> is it an iOS for like a smartphone? Yeah, they don't really e- explain that. They say something about like them giving it to like schools. They they make it out to be like it is a character from like someone says like so what are we doing with tr- with iOS thirteen or whatever to the point that it's it's implied that like they are release it is Tron that they're releasing or whatever like it is a character a program but they never do anything to follow up with that of what that could mean and I don't know I don't think I can just like upload a phone ios to, or a phone <laughs> operating system which is what it makes it sound like like an apple ios yeah i don't uh, yeah i don't think that's possible <laughs> so so i didn't get any of that um but then he like climbs to the top of this building and security's chasing him and he like walks out along the line of this like crane And the security guard, like, follows him out there. And he's like, hey, guy, you can't steal from a company. And I'm like, go back. Yeah. You're making minimum wage as a security guard for this company. Like, do not follow him out onto the crane. There's no reason for him to go out that far either. Like, he could easily have just stood on the roof and had the same conversation. (laughs) When I worked, I worked retail and every, anytime anyone was like, so here's your training for what to do. If like someone starts stealing stuff, let them, you, yeah. you let them go. Cause your life's not worth the the merchandise. 
I, I, there's no way this guy's like, well, time to hoof it on the crane. He just cares so much about that uh, operating system. <laughs> he loves OS 13. He loves OS 13 so much. Yeah, and then the guy jumps off and parachutes down, and then uh, you think he's going to get into a chase, but he doesn't. He just gets arrested, and they just let him go for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, I assumed he bailed himself out because he has, like, shareholder money oh yeah okay I f- yeah that's fair i mean they don't establish that at all i that just was what made sense to me <laughs> <laughs> no that that does make sense that does check out that is kind of the problem with this movie though right they just like leave you to make the assumptions of what happened in, in a scene <laughs> and it's it's about everything yeah Nothing in this movie is said. You just kind of have to assume that like something happened to the point that I walked out and I was like, I don't think I saw any scenes. I just kind of assumed that they happened. Yeah. I think it's the first movie I've ever inferred. (laughs) And like, I wouldn't have had a problem with that if it, if like more of those scenes had actually been interesting. (laughs) Yeah. If they were interesting, if any of the fight scenes were cool or like yeah there was any real pacing that was the thing that killed me they have there's a, a light cycle chase scene that turns into a light jet chase scene um later in the movie there's also like the the disc fight scene because they gotta they gotta do all the hits of the original tron um yeah. and then a bar fight scene and all of them are just slow and boring yeah the bar fight scene is the most egregious i think there, nothing happens in it. Like, the, I yeah, do. Like, go ahead. Nothing happens except for like Quora gets her arm exploded, and then they like immediately fix it. So there's, there's like no stakes to the the whole fight, and then it just like ends, and just like, well, all right, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they. So they they set up this scene of like we're meeting with a guy who's a mover and shaker, and used to be a big like revolutionary guy. And as the scene starts, he's talking to other revolutionaries, um, all of whom are like the only people of color we see in this movie. And then he immediately brushes them aside to talk to Sam and then says something Mm -hmm. about like inferior beings. And I was like, that's a weird thing to say. Guy dressed in all white wearing pale white makeup. I don't think the movie means anything by this. I don't think it's trying to do anything here. I think this is just really tone deaf and very odd. Yeah. Hey, apparently those guys are like recurring characters of the TV show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did like, uh, as the cops show up to raid the place, uh, the the leader of those guys yells, resist. And then they all three die. (laughs) Yeah. Which is really just a metaphor for uh, how most of the fight scenes in this movie go. <laughs> um, I I do want to say, Jenny wrote in on our tweet and said, uh, what strange esoteric martial art would we bring to the Daft Punk bar fight? Uh, oh I've heard God. there's a fucked up motherfucker who knows capoeira there, so anything could happen. <laughs> he doesn't do any capoeira. Um, he barely participates in that fight. I'm going to tell you, Jenny, uh, I could fight the guy at Capoeira, and I think that it would come out as a draw. Yeah. he That fight is just a lot of him kind of standing there while, like, Quora fights everyone and then gets exploded. Yeah. Uh, well, don't forget, there's also the guy standing above it all doing his best 
kooky. He's trying to do Loki before Loki. Yeah. And just sucks. Like, yeah. Uh, they have the, the, the character in the bar. I think his name is Zeus, but it's spelled weird. Um, and he is like, he wants to be the fun over the top watching the world burn kind of guy, but he's not fun or over the top with it. He's as close as the movie gets, which is still really weirdly subdued. But then he also like does a kick line while a fight is going on. Yeah, he he's just kind of cringe. <laughs> yes, very. <laughs> he's not fun or funny. He's just like, haha, aren't I wacky? And it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, he gets blown up later in the movie, and I cheered. <laughs> um, I also I did like uh, so in that bar fight, uh, uh, Cora loses her arm. Yeah. And then uh, in the next, so <laughs> she looks like a corpse. Uh, she's sitting there, eyes open, like dead, dead. And Jeff Bridges goes, she's stable. And I was like, okay, bud. <laughs> yeah. And then they like get her into an elevator. They take the elevator down. They have a whole conversation as she just sits there corpse-like. And I was like, I guess she's stable. Um <laughs> And then he like lays her out on the ground, takes her disc, looks at her code, and then he's a programmer so he can affect the code, and he reaches in, and the code is all white and graphics, and then there's a little yellow section, and he plucks out the little yellow section and kind of like whisks it away, and it just kind of like floats away into the ether, and mm-hmm. then he goes there, and he puts it back on her back, and then she wakes up, and her arm regrows itself. So does that mean that when she gets hit by a thing, extra code gets added to her that says, if hit arm equals equals no? I guess. Because it means that there's extra programs added to say the arm is gone. Yeah, when he's like doing it, he he kind of like vaguely explains it. He's like, I need to like find the thing that is in her code that is like, stopping her arm from growing back which is like crazy no that's not what he no i don't think it's to drop her from growing back i think he says i need to find the problem and i was like buddy it's in the arm <laughs> i'm not a programmer but like it's probably stored in arm.database <laughs> arm.exe exactly and then the, he, he he's like ah there it is and plucks out code which i was just like shouldn't you just code the arm back in that would make infinitely more sense. Yeah, I, this is this is the thing. I I was so bored during this movie that I'm cinema sensing about how fake programming works. <sighs> and then they they I okay. So what's a disc? They I I'm sure this is like they explain it better in the original, but yeah they they explain it to sam as like every like it's your memory like it's it's called a memory disc and they're like everything that you learn like will be stored in here so this movie's about clue trying to get the memory disc from flynn so that he can make the portal extra big and send an army of programs into the real world i do want to say yeah. a when that happens What's going to happen is that a bunch of programs are going to storm out of Flynn's arcade, (laughs) which is like a tiny arcade in like the littlest part of town. So they're going to start swarming out 
and attacking things with discs and bad lightsabers. And mm-hmm. then within 48 hours, they will have all been taken out by the U.S. military, right? Yes, absolutely, 100%. Like, this is the least, like, he's built an army. And I'm like, yeah, they're all going down, I mean, though. Yeah, like, they have established that if you hit them once hard enough, they shatter, <laughs> they into, shatter a into a billion pieces. pieces. <laughs> <laughs> and their main form of attack is throwing laser discs that are also their brains. I'm not sure. It's a very effective army. It's, it's he's launched a thousand bees. <laughs> like, yeah, that's going to be really annoying for the first forty-eight hours. But that problem is going to resolve itself. Oh my god! But then, yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> but then, so the movie ends with uh, Flynn, basically Flynn swaps his disc with Cora so when Clue goes to take the disc from him instead of chasing the other two it turns out that it's actually been Cora's disc the whole time mm-hmm. and that means that the other disc that they have is Flynn's so does she not have memories anymore yeah they don't explain that i i assume that like she doesn't need one because she's like the special AI person, but they also don't explain that at all. Okay. I, or I guess you could, you could extrapolate that like she does have her, her memories and stuff. Her disc is just like separate from her now. Cause like you see that like they take Flynn's disc and like nothing happens to him. Yeah, everyone seems fine without their disc. I don't know. I think it's just if it gets destroyed, right? I guess. I I don't know. <laughs> Who's to say? Who could say? Who could say anything about the world building of Tron? <laughs> I'm sure this is I all under- neatly explained in the original Tron. And and I someone the the screenwriter was like, "Well, no, they're going to go watch Tron before they watch this one." I I will say I understand now why the arg had to take place in the real world instead of <laughs> instead of um being an arg that takes place in the grid. Uh, the clues, clues, ARG. Yeah, because uh, that stuff isn't really that interesting. <laughs> it's it is it's boring and bland. Everything is everything is black. Uh, yeah, the, they. Uh, everyone has like LED strips on their outfits. Uh, which Sam Sam's favorite thing in the world is to uh, Sam doesn't like watching movies as much as she likes finishing watching movies so she can look up fun facts about the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she looked up stuff about Tron and um, those LED strips had a lithium battery in them that lasted for eleven minutes. Uh, oh and my so god! They had to like sit there without it, and then they were like, "All right, turn on your batteries. Do the scene. Turn off the batteries." Uh, and they couldn't sit in the suits. They had to just like lean against strategically placed boards. That is fucking insanely funny. Uh, they looked cool. The the costumes are great. I I can't I can't discredit the costumes. Yeah, the costumes are are awesome. This is everything else inside the computer is just really boring. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's mostly like wasteland. It's like. <sighs> It feels like they were trying to a little bit do the Matrix without getting accused of copying the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. 
they were they were copying the matrix's homework but trying to make it not look like it <laughs> yeah it is i don't know it's just really funny hearing clue yell about like i've made a perfect world i perfected it you look around and you're just like this is it like <laughs> there are fewer colors here than there was in the 80s movie i so now i'm thinking and i do wonder if like the sci-fi movies that came out in the interim between Tron and Tron Legacy, like, if that was what kind of, like, influenced the visual, lang- like, the change of the visual language. Because I feel like it has to be, right? Yeah, probably. Like, I'm sure that there was a lot of, like, yeah, you take stuff from from everything around you as it evolves. Because, like, you, you also couldn't get away with, like, we've made Tron 2, it looks exactly like Tron. Like, <laughs> nobody would, uh, nobody would want to do that. Oh, here, I've got... <laughs> From the from the Wikipedia page, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to read from Conception. Uh, plans for creating Tron Legacy began to materialize in 2005 when Walt Disney Studios hired screenwriters Brian Klugman and Lee Sternall as the writers of the film. The two finished writing the script for Warrior. According to Variety uh, columnist Michael Fleming, Klugman and Sternall felt that, quote, the world has caught up to Lisberg's original concept and said it was on- it was remembered not only for story, but a visual style no one had ever used before. We're contemporizing it, taking ideas that were ahead of the curve and applying them to the present, and we feel the film has a chance to resonate to a younger audience. I don't know that that's necessarily true. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, but so later on it says that um, they were meeting with the president of Walt Disney Pictures who said, Disney owns the property Tron. Do you know it? Are you interested? What would your take be? In a post-Matrix world, how do you go back to the world of Tron? Mm. Kaczynski wanted to embrace the general ambiance of the film and wished to not use the internet as a model or use a formula emulative of the Matrix film series. As neither individuals were in equal agreement on choosing a perspective to conceive the film, um, blah, 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 they went back and forth. And But yeah, I think that they knew that they were like, great, we'll have to do our own thing. And their own thing is a lot of nothing. Yeah. Kind of is. I think they like. I don't know. It. I feel that they they created some really interesting visuals. They just don't like know what to do with them. Yeah, it feels like. I completely agree. Yeah, I agree. I think that the the much like Tron, where the biggest thing about Tron that is remembered is like the way that it used. You know, it was the first CGI movie. Mm-hmm. I think that this one is like. It, it, this was apparently the bridge between. Um, like the 3D filming that they did for Avatar into the way that it was used into the future. Um, and also oh, wow. the like digital de-aging, uh, like the digital de-aging tech uh, was also like a big thing that this movie brought forward that has become a scourge on the media landscape. Yeah. It is very funny that they just explode Jeff Bridges at the end, presumably because he asked not to be in any more Tron movies. <laughs> that's what they that's what all of these legacy films do. They bring back someone who's like, I haven't thought about that movie in 30 years. Okay, but I'm not doing another one. Them. And then they and then they, they they kill him. They did the same thing with Harrison Ford in uh, Star Wars. I assume they do it with him in Indiana Jones as well, because he keeps begging them to kill him. <laughs> Can I do you, hmm. I have I haven't seen the new one. I don't care if you spoil it for me. Please tell me if he explodes. Spoiler alert. Okay, spoiler alert for the next few minutes of uh the ending of the latest Indiana Jones movie. We can also cut this out of the podcast. No, I'm leaving wanna. I'm leaving it in for people because I want to hear your your thing. 
So, oh Marn, I don't know if you know this, but this Indiana Jones movie deals with time travel. Yes, I, I was aware of that. Uh, they they go back to meet Archimedes. Uh, and awesome. They find Archimedes' disc, and in the end of the movie, Harrison Ford turns to the people he's with, VB Waller Bridges, and says, "I think I want to stay here." Oh my, my god! They fucking Captain America him. My my son died in Vietnam. Uh, all of my friends are gone. There's nothing for me in the world anymore because I'm Indiana Jones, but I'm 80. I think I'm going to stay here and explore this time. And she says, no, fuck you, and hits him and brings him back to the future with her. Holy shit. Okay, that's pretty good. (laughs) I was going to say, if they did a fucking Captain America to him, I would have been so bad. (laughs) Sam went and watched the movie with her parents the other day, so she came back and told me all about it. (laughs) That's actually incredible. (laughs) That does make me think that uh, Harrison Ford genuinely asked them to kill off of Indiana Jones, and they were like, absolutely not. Are you fucking kidding? (laughs) Because I know his whole thing about coming back to do Star Wars was he was like, you have to kill me. Yeah. And that's how like half the people for Scream were. It's how I feel like well, and, and that's how you everyone wants to be the new Obi Wan, like right, like oh yeah, I'll be the old guy that comes back and like leads the new kids on, but you got to kill me in the third act or like the end of the mm-hmm. second act, you know? Um, yeah. And it all of them are the same, and they all suck. I hate I hate legacy films. Yeah. Hey, Martin, They're... I got something important hey. to tell you. <laughs> yeah. During a 2017 Q&A session with Joseph Kaczynski, he revealed that Tron 3 had not been scrapped, instead saying it was in, quote, cryogenic freeze. I'm aware. Jared uh, uh, Leto is going to be in it. Yep. <laughs> a few days later, it's reported that Jared Leto is attached to portray a new character named Ares. In March 2022, while promoting Morbius, Leto confirmed the film is still happening. <sighs> You gonna make me listen to that one, Martin? No, not unless I do an arg for it. (laughs) Listen, it could have been worse. We could have watched Tomorrowland. You know what? You got me there. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, man. I think I am out of things to say about this very dumb movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was Michael Sheen? Yeah. Michael I also Sheen looked at the cast guy? list afterwards and was like, holy shit. Michael Sheen is so good, though. Why did you do such a terrible job here? I Probably because the script you. wasn't very good. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm, I kind of am curious to know if like the original script is out there on the internet somewhere. Not that I'm going to go look for it. Like I'm not that curious. I was going to say, new, uh, new uh, table read coming soon. <laughs> Fucking absolutely not. No, before we do that, we have to read the uh, the original uh, script of whichever legacy Star Wars movie has the... He realizes he has lost the Star War in it. <laughs> <laughs> the original episode nine script or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Golly. <sighs> I think that's it for me. I somehow squeezed an hour out of this movie. Do you want to talk about recommendations, yeah. Martin? Uh sure. You got you you want to recommend a better movie, <laughs> perhaps? Ooh, um It's hard not to. What movies have I have I seen anything recently? Oh, you know what? I got a recommendation. Yeah. 
Uh, there is a fun reality TV show called Jury Duty. Have you seen it? I mean, no, I've been meaning to watch it for like months. So the premise of this show for the listeners is, um, there is, it is a documentary about, um, what happens in the judicial system when you are in a jury. Uh, we're going to look at a jury and follow them as they go through the process of, uh, you know, litigating a trial, seeing how it should go and uh, how they come to a decision and how they come together as a group to do this, right? And uh, legal scholars mm-hmm. among you might be thinking, Andrew, isn't that incredibly illegal? <laughs> the answer is yes, which is why the entire thing is fake. Um, it is a mockumentary about the judicial system and what it means to be in a jury, except for one of the people who thinks that it is an actual jury doing an actual case and that they are filming an actual documentary. It is incredible. I've been meaning to watch it because I know that James Marston plays himself in it. Yes, really Jam- like James, Marston. James Marston plays himself as like shitty James Marston. Uh-huh. Um, everyone else in, in, in it are, I mean, everyone's actors. He's an actor too, but like everyone else is playing a character as they are, uh, pretended to be part of a jury and we're filming this one person who thinks that it's all real. Um, it is an incredible setup. It is, it, and I, and I, I know the, the red flags that get raised by the premise. I will say off the bat, I would not be recommending it if, uh, the guy didn't end up being okay with it. And also one of the cool things about the show is how good of a guy, the, uh, guy that yeah. they ended up casting as their main lead is as the show goes on. Um, to the point where, like, one of the things that they do uh, to avoid spoilers, or a bit of a spoiler, but one of the things that they do is that one of the characters is a guy who's very obsessed with um, wearable technology and transhumanism. And he's a very awkward guy throughout the trial. And um, they make him, like, basically they sequester the jury in a hotel, take all their phones, which is how they can get away with doing this, like, mm-hmm. we need to sequester you as a jury, which is how you'll never learn that this isn't how juries work and that it's not real. Um, but that guy becomes his, like, roommate and his, like, adjoining hotel guy. Um, mm-hmm. And rather than be, like, annoyed and super shitty toward this very weird dude, um, like, night one, the the lead guy is like, hey, do you want to watch uh, Bugs Life? Uh, it's about a guy who likes inventing things and wearing tech and feels a little ostracized oh from society God. sometimes. Do you want to watch it with me? It's a really cool movie. Holy shit. And it's like, that oh, rules. yeah, this guy's incredible. This is the nicest dude on the planet. How's he going to deal with James <laughs> Marsden? Yeah, I have. I, I, I think I read like an interview with him like after the show came out, which like was the thing that made me want to watch it. Cause I was like, oh, this guy seems like he had a, he was like a really good sport about the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And apparently, yeah, apparently the guy like that. is still friends with ever. Like if you look at his Instagram, he like still like hangs out with the people. He's like, I've had to relearn their names, but like, they're all pretty cool. <laughs> that rules. So it's awesome. It's a, it's a really good, really fun show. I would, I would recommend it. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm like running out of the shows that I am watching right now. So I will, uh, I'll put it on my list. <coughs> what you got for me? Uh, my recommendation is I went and saw the new Wes Anderson movie and I really enjoyed it. Uh, Asteroid City. It's good. That looks really good. It's like, I, a bunch of people I know, including me and Alyssa, have had like very similar experiences with it where we kind of like went in not really expecting anything because like 
were not huge Wes Anderson fans, and we came out being like, wow, that was, like, a really interesting and profound movie. Um, And I read a really interesting article that kind of, like, unpacks a lot of the layers that the movie is, like, operating on that, like, actually made me enjoy it more and want to go see it again. It's also, like, it feels, it's, like, if if you're a person who doesn't like the visual style of Wes Anderson movies, this is, like, the kind of the most pared down stylistically because it's filmed specifically to be, like, a stage play. And that oh. is, like, part of the conceit, um, is that it's, like, it's supposed to be, like, this script that was originally written as a stage play and is, like, being filmed. Fascinating. Um, and it's, it's operating on a lot of meta layers, like, there's... I mean, spoilers to the movie, but it's, like, there's a frame story that's, like, it's the documentary about the playwright and, like, the actors that were in this play. And then there's also, like, the play that is happening, and then sometimes they step out of it and they are just, like, the actors talking to each other. Um, Hmm. It's really cool. I enjoyed it a lot. That sounds really cool. I've been meaning to check it out. Yeah, it's interesting because it feels kind of like... Wes Anderson made a pandemic movie, whether or not he realized that he had, like, stuff to say about the pandemic. (laughs) But it's also about, like, grief and isolationism and there's an alien. Um, It's good. Hell (laughs) yeah. I liked it. (laughs) Very excited to check it out. Jason Schwartzman uh, is in his era of being really good in movies that are out right now. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. Uh, I will also uh, throw out, um, this is not a recommendation based off anything that I have uh, played or know about, but as the time of this being released, if I understand um, time correctly, uh, Mm -hmm. Oxenfree 2 came out yesterday. Oh shit! Yeah, it did. I... I'm going to actually go download that right now. I meant to do that when I came home. Yeah, so Oxenfree 2 is coming out tomorrow as we're recording. Yesterday as you're listening to this. Uh, Mm -hmm. Don't take this as gospel. I don't know for a fact. My guess is that there might be an ARG that happens. And if it does, it will be related to the game as it's released. So something you might want to check out. I, yeah. I'm I'm kind of sad that they didn't do more ARG stuff leading up to it. But, um... I'm very, I'm, I'm very, very excited to play it. Yeah. But I think that that is going to do it for us tonight. So until next time, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, you can find us. We're still on Twitter. We're at ArgonautsPod. Uh, I am at co-host Sherms. I am at Corpse Survivors. And if you want to get a hold of the show in a longer form way that isn't on a website that is slowly crumbling into the sea around us <laughs> uh, because Jeff Bridges hugged himself and exploded, um... You can find us on email. Uh, I think email wasn't affected in the blast. Uh, we are ArgonautsPodcast at gmail.com. Shoot us your ARG recommendations or just a really good recipe for lemon bars. Uh, beyond that, if you want to support us, you can do so. You can support the Moonshot Patreon. Uh, we here at Moonshot make cool shows that break orbit, and we need your help to do that. So uh, throw us a couple bucks our way if you like that. They cover our hosting. They cover, uh, I say they as if we're not the ones running it, but like the network... <laughs> covers our hosting it covers our art it covers uh music and stuff as we need it to come up and it will affect anything in the future as well uh, as well as a bunch of other really cool shows that we like and support and believe in so 
If you also want to break orbit, come check us out. Patreon.com slash Moonshot Network. Also follow us on Twitter so that we can make private Fortnite lobbies. Yes, you need to follow us, uh, Moonshot Pods, on Twitter because we need a thousand followers in order to get a secret server set up on on uh, on Fortnite. Uh, if we can get that, then you can hunt Riley Hopkins in Tomato Town. Yeah, Is Tomato Town still around? No, they wiped out not. Tomato Town. Yeah, we, Riley and I were literally talking last night about how it's so sad that the song isn't relevant anymore because Tomato Town no longer exists. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, go go uh, pour some out for Tomato Town, and we will talk to you soon. Because, well, that's Args, baby. You know, Tony? What's up, Roma? I want to learn about a lot of shit. But, uh, well, Roma, you don't you don't have the time to learn all of the shit. There's too much shit. No. But you know what? What? You could learn more shit in very quick ways. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, got, you got a lot of friends, and your friends know shit. And your friends, <sighs> they could probably just yell shit at you in like 30 to 45 minute intervals. And then you can acquire an approximate knowledge of all of the shit. And then you could know all the things. But, but how? I don't know. Probably like a podcast format. You know what? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you can listen to the hyperfixation anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Thanks to the Moonshot Network. And acquire your new hyperfixation with me.